Klingons do not pursue relationships. They conquer that which they desire. However, Lieutenant Desora serves under my command. If she were mistreated, I would be very displeased, sir. I understand. Captain. I am seeking advice in how to... Yes, I've heard data. And I would be delighted to offer any advice I can on understanding women. When I have some, I'll let you know. everyone welcome to deep space pride a gay star trek podcast my name is mike i am one of your co-hosts and with me is johnson my co-host how are you johnson hey mike i'm doing okay how are you doing happy I'm wednesday good yeah hump day we are over halfway through the week mm-hmm. and uh, here we are and tomorrow's thursday and tomorrow then is thursday that mm-hmm. is right uh tomorrow is paramount plus day if you Oh, God. Uh, everything switches over from CBS All Access to Paramount+. Plus. Wait, does my CBS All Access login still work or do I need a new login for Paramount+. Plus? You use the same login. Okay. But depending on the device, you may need to download a new app. So. Okay. All right. Uh, That's so fine. there we go. But okay. they've been heavily pushing that on Instagram. Oh, my God. That's constant. Uh, yeah, it is. But tomorrow is the big day. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Even though I saw all the ads, all the ads, yeah, including the Super Bowl ad, which we saw they, together. They have really been pushing this branding piece hardcore. Yeah. yeah, we'll see how it does, but yeah. Well, given it's CBS, you know they're not known for their smoothness. No. So. I will uh, reserve judgment until I'm able to log into it tomorrow. <laughs> Hopefully you can log in at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, well, we don't have any new live track to really watch. Are there any other CBS All Access shows really? I mean, I, I watched one episode of The Stand and I was not really into it. So. What about, have you watched Clarice yet? I have not. But- oh, shit. I totally forgot about Clarice. Yeah, so that's Clarice. on that. Um, that's on Drink. there. Alice Kurtzman. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll also be interesting to see kind of what movies, especially what Star Trek movies make it over to Paramount+. Plus. Yes. Because uh, I don't think it's going to be all of them. So due to licensing or whatever, like I think some of the other streaming services have, have the rights for yeah. a little bit longer. But I don't know. We'll wait I and see know. tomorrow. Yeah, I guess. I guess we'll see. Yeah, uh, but uh, so that's going on. What else is going on in your neck of the woods? Anything exciting? How's your week been? Exciting. I mean, work's been good. It's been busy. 
but I feel this week was has been good so far. Um, it sounds like it's been reasonable. Yeah, no, last week was also good. I mean, it's just been I'm I'm getting used to the pace of it. Um, even though you know it's still a lot of Zoom meetings, but I I feel I'm just kind of getting more used to it now. So. I've not got any coffin emojis this week. I don't believe. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm using coffin emojis at work, and people are picking it up, <laughs> and they were using it. So, yes, you, you know. become a culture influencer. Yes, yes. People are starting to use it. People are like, at first, they were like, "Why are you using a coffin?" And then I was like, "It just makes sense." And then they start using it now, so it's great. Has that expanded to the RIP? Like the uh, tombstone that was recently added. So or... we use so we use Zoom chat. So it's like it's basically the same as Slack, but we use Zoom okay. chat at work. And the emoji keyboard on Zoom chat doesn't have the tombstone. I don't know okay. why. And uh, I tried using like my phone because I have the same Zoom account on my phone, but it doesn't show up properly. Okay, which is you know a is Zoom chat a whole separate app. Mm-mm, same. If you really? go to Zoom, actually, I think, yeah, well, it, we can chat in this video conference that we're in right now. Right. But I've never if you open if you open your Zoom app, you're able to um you're able to also chat. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Something new every day. There we go. Yeah. But yeah, I think my day my uh, days have been good. I'm getting used to the pace. It's my third month. I'm getting there and I'm, I mean, I'm finding time to like relax after work, watch TV. I watched um, that new show I talked about last week, Debris. Oh, how was yeah. it? It wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't like amazing, but I liked it and I feel there's potential. So was it just a pilot episode essentially? It was just a pilot. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I watched it on Peacock, but then some a friend of mine was like, it was also on Hulu. I was like, shit, why did I watch it on Peacock? Oh, well, lucky so, you. I yeah. guess I, I will have to pick it up on on uh, Peacock. I don't have Hulu. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's also, yes, it's on both. Um, so I already have too many streaming services. I can't keep track. I feel like I'm not using, like, I feel like I'm paying for one or two more than I, I know. actually well, use. I'm using Disney Plus just to watch WandaVision. There's nothing else right. I watch on Disney Plus. Peacock, I definitely don't open. I mean, last time we talked was the first time I opened it in like 11 months. And I probably use Netflix and Amazon Prime the most, I guess, right now. So, yeah. Uh, there, are have you, there are a lot, though. You're have right. you started watching uh, For All Mankind yet? Yes. Okay. I have done. Remember, that. I showed you the photo. I was like, is oh, that Koshi Sato? Right. Yes. Like, you, you saw an Asian I was like, it looks anchor like Linda woman. Park. I was like, it looks like Linda Park, but it could just be another Asian girl. I don't know. It was, not, <laughs> it was after viewing, understanding what you were asking me to look at that did not look that much like Linda Park. I was like, it kind of looks like her. But then I was like, upon closer scrutiny, I was like, I'm not sure anymore. No, I don't think it's so. It's like, looks but... like another Asian girl. My bad. Yeah, I have not started For All Mankind yet. And I am... Uh, I the don't... first episode of season two, it starts out a little bit slow, but then it escalates quickly. So okay. Cool. All right. That's good. I, I mm-hmm. need some action to keep me entertained. But it's more, you know, it's, a, it's about the 
the human drama. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There Great we go. Show, though. Yeah. All right. So, what about your week? How's it how's it been going? Well, this week I've been doing a cleanse. Uh, so it has been a challenging week to say the least. And and mainly, you is know, diarrhea. I, I mean, yes, there is that involved, but unfortunately, I mean it's too bad. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, you are cleaning out your gut and and whatnot. So that is part of the process. But it's not even that that bothers me. It is actually just the my my focus, my ability to focus is, and just how I'm feeling from hour to hour varies so wildly right now. Oh. And it's been really tough to navigate. Like my I'm really having a challenging time. So I don't, I don't know if that means it's working and it's cleaning out all these toxins or if it's not, I don't know. Like but you're having like mood swings? What's happening? Not mood. No, I wouldn't say as, as I'm moody. No, definitely not. Uh, but I'm, I'm just having uh, a t- difficulty maintaining my attention. I don't feel, maybe I feel a little bit more anxious or, hmm. you know, like- Interesting. Yeah, it's just been not not incredibly anxious or anything like that. It's just uh, and my ability to focus and like do the work has been challenging. It's been a yeah, and I I'm still sure it has to... only to do with their sugar level. Yeah, be. so I did. So I have completely cut out raw sugar. I have completely cut out milk, um, although I've been using some butter. Um, I haven't. I've had a. I usually have a piece of toast in the morning. Uh, so that's my gluten. So it, you know, mm-hmm. I, but I, I have been, I haven't seen any weight loss really. Like I, so it's just, it's really weird. So I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that granted I'm a little over, I'm two thirds of the way through. I still have two more days. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know. So as you can see, I'm not really my ability to maintain a conversation or even say, say coherent things sometimes is challenging. So I think you're okay. It's not, I, I honestly, if you didn't tell me that your attention span was debilitated, I wouldn't have really have noticed. So, well, and you know, preparing for this episode, this week's episode, I, I obviously watched my episodes a couple of times or I watched it once. Times. Okay. I watched it once. And then now I just went back before we get online and watched some specific scenes again. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm hoping I can maintain a coherent conversation okay. and my thoughts about this. But well, you wrote uh, uh, out, you wrote in an outline and everything for our conversation, so that should yeah, help. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and um, now seems an appropriate time since you bring that up to to share with our viewers what we are doing. Yes, yeah, so what are we going to talk about today, Mike? Well, so it's Women's History Month, and is this, it? It is. Yes. Um, it is. And so this month we are going to focus on the women, women of Trek. And and we so this week we've each picked a leading woman character and a supporting woman character to talk about. And how we're going to do that is we've picked an episode that highlights said character from the next generation specifically. Specifically, yes. This week we're talking about the next generation. You are correct. So um, and we're just going to go back and forth and uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit of banter about our thoughts on we have no this opinions particular... i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> lulls lulls uh but yeah so that's the plan and we're mm-hmm. gonna see how this goes uh 
So yeah, why don't we get right into it and uh, start Women's History Month with uh, Johnson's first pick. Who is your leading next generation lady? You just can't admit that it was my research that made this possible. I am delighted that Worf is going to recover. You gambled, he won. Not all of your patients are so lucky. You scare me, doctor. You risk your patients' lives and justify it in the name of research. Genuine research takes time. Sometimes a lifetime of painstaking, detailed work in order to get any results. Not for you. You take shortcuts. Right through living tissue. You put your research ahead of your patients' lives. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a violation of our most sacred trust. I'm sure your work will be hailed as a stunning breakthrough. Enjoy your laurels, doctor. I'm not sure I could. Yeah, so, you know, when you posed this question, I thought it was really interesting because, spoiler alert, neither of us chose Deanna. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's kind of a spoiler alert. And I was like, I hope our listeners don't revolt because, you know, the way that you positioned it, we basically each only get to pick one leading character and one supporting. And I was like... I hope they forgive us. It's fine. So, I mean, we do love Deanna. I oh, mean, yeah. No, totally. I mean, we drop by her office every other week. So, you know, it's not exactly. like... Yeah, it's not like we don't like Deanna. I think that what we did as part of this exercise was try to identify one leading female from the next generation that we resonated with. So, it's really in that respect that we decided to structure this conversation. So... Anyway, um, my leading lady of the next generation is Dr. Crusher. So the reason why I chose Dr. Crusher, and I would love to hear your thoughts about Dr. Crusher. Um, I, and the thing about, and I was thinking about this um, as I was preparing for this podcast, but it's interesting because the leading women of the next generation kind of serve certain archetypes. I, I didn't really, it wasn't until I was preparing for this, I thought about this, I was like, huh, because you have Dr. Crusher, who is the scientist, the, you know, she's the career-driven scientist, really smart, um, really analytical. Then you have Deanna, who is the counselor, the feeler, you know, the motherly figure of the ship. Obviously, Dr. Crusher is also a mother, but, you know, Deanna is kind of like, the, the one that everyone goes to talk about their feelings. And then you have Tasha Yar, who is the woman of action, you know? And um, I think that it kind of, the thing about the next generation, and we've talked about this before, it's not the, it's not the most layered, multi-dimensional, complex Star Trek show, which is fine. Um, but the reason why I chose Dr. Crusher is because I think that she was one of the especially during my nascent developmental stages when I was playing like, 
trying to identify what what I was interested in, like, you know, what I want to study, things like that. I just really, I don't know why, but, you know, I've always been kind of like more analytical. Um, I've been numbers oriented. I am into the sciences, things like that. But I do have to say that Dr. Crusher as a character really resonated with me. And it actually, she actually, um, I think, was one of the inspirations for me in my interest in biology when I was in high school and college. So obviously TNG came out before I went to high school, um, but I always appreciate her character. I liked the way that she problem solved um, when there was some sort of outbreak on the ship or something like that, you know, she was always there to kind of figure it out. And I don't know, something about her character really resonated with me. And I think maybe more so the, the, you know, her character specialty than necessarily her as a character really did it for me. Um, because I don't, you know, unfortunately, I don't think Dr. Crusher is the most interesting character. Um, she has her moments, but it's not, first of all, she didn't really get, you know, maybe one episode a season. She was like, she was basically like Neelix, <laughs> like one episode a season, you know. Um, and she had her moments. Um, Jack Crusher was hot. She had that, you know. Um, and she, she was Wesley's mom. I mean, Wesley got, you know, I think more to do than Beverly Crusher did. Um, but yeah, something about her character just really resonated with me. Um, but I don't know if you had high level thoughts about Dr. Crusher. I mean, like I, I can talk about the episode, which we watched, which you watched and I, I selected. Yeah, let me, let me just give you a few thoughts on her and then we'll talk about the episode you selected. Um, you know, I think when we first meet her in the, you know, in the pilot episode, essentially. She's picking fabrics. She's picking fabrics, but yes, she's a single fabrics. mom. You know, mm. she's a single mom. There's, you know, reference to Jack mm. who had died. And, the, and then there's some connection between him and Picard and uh, mm-hmm. all, all that history comes on. So that's really the first we learn is that, you know, she signed on to this ship. Uh, knowing that she was going to have to face Jean-Luc Picard. And mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of interesting. I think that that gives her already, you know, first of all, I think any any single woman who raises a child and, and at this point, Wesley is a teenager, uh, deserves a ton of uh, accolades for just doing that alone. Uh, she's a career woman, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, so more power to her. Uh, so I think that that's, you know, really, um, definitely really career driven because she had that stint at Starfleet Medical during season two. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and by the way, you know that it's Gates McFadden's birthday yesterday. Oh, she yeah. Did. I saw that. I was like, oh, happy birthday, Gates McFadden. Can you believe how she's 71 years old? They're all old. <laughs> we mean, are old. Hello. I mean, we are. We are. We're not that old, but. Uh, uh, I was shocked. I just read that while you were introing her. I was curious what day, because I knew it was either yesterday or today that her birthday was. And and then right next to it, it said age 71. And I was, anymore, I right? was like, wow. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, so there's that. Yeah, she, she goes away for season two, comes back for season three and, mm-hmm. and finishes out the series. Uh, obviously, there were some behind the scene things, which you did some more research in, which you can talk about later. Uh, but you know, I, she I got think, fired. 
That's yeah, the I, I, which uh, which I don't remember at the time that I was watching it that I knew that that happened, but I I, I must have it's not, it must have been publicized at some point. Uh, but I don't. I don't know. It. I mean, I didn't really start to religiously watch TNG until season three. So season three, right? Yeah. Her. Yeah, exactly. You know, was, I can't remember. Regular, regular. So. Yeah, I can't remember uh, that particular event happening. So, um, but, you know, I think that we got to see her character grow. We got to see her, um, we got to see her get more and more screen time, at least kind of, kind of, I mean, you know, and we had to jump all the way to se- season five to find a, an episode that definitely highlighted her. Uh, I mean, she had like "Remember Me," which is when she was stuck in a static warp bubble and everyone's disappearing. But I didn't. I selected. I chose not to select that episode. Not, yeah, you didn't check that one off. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that she's a great part of the crew. You know, you know, there are some things in the movies which are interesting to watch. And you see. mean when her boobs got firm in Insurrection? I guess. I <laughs> there's that. There, oh, there's that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's like, do you move to a farmer? I was like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> like, yes. Come on. Um, so there's that. Uh, I yeah, was also, uh, I was actually also thinking about the scene in First Contact where she and Lily are having it out and said, you know, she's basically defending the captain and saying, well, he's not making any sense. Why aren't you guys standing up to him? And, uh, and, Wait, He's what are you captain. talking about? This is on the bridge when Lily, when Lily's there, and he oh, says, you... "Now we're going to, we're going to self-destruct or whatever." His decision. Well, they were trying to convince John Luke to abandon ship. Ship. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that was more Lily than Beverly. Beverly was there when he had his tip of Wharf, and she was like, "John Luke, remember." I don't know. She no, I don't of, remember I don't that one. Yeah. Had that much to do. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Anyway. I mean, she's you know, so she's a she's a great character. I think there's many layers to her, but you know, the way that the show was written, she didn't get very much airtime, and she did not. Uh, yeah. So I chose the episode Ethics in season five, um, and I chose this episode. I don't know if there's like a specific reason why I chose this episode other than the fact that it really stood out to me because obviously this was this was a Beverly episode and it was a warp episode. Um, and I thought that this was just a good example of Beverly really standing her ground. And it was also a great episode that showcased conflict because Basically, for those of you that don't remember this episode, Ethics, um, Worf is in an accident. He, his spinal cord is basically, you know, he, he basically has his spinal cord broken because this container falls on him. He's paralyzed. Um, Beverly can't do anything about it because clay anatomy is like a mystery. So she invites Dr. Toby Russell from Starfleet Medical to come, and she's like a specialist or something like that. And Dr. Toby Russell turns out to be, so there's like two two plots. One is Worf wrestling with his disability and his claim on honor and wanting Will Riker to help him perform ritual suicide. So there's that side of ethics of, you know, Mm -hmm. assisted suicide and things like that. But on the other side of 
the coin in the conversation is Dr. Toby Russell is not a ethical scientist. She basically is willing to experiment, like perform experimental surgeries on patients to advance her own research. And she's actually not from and, Starfleet Medical. She's, oh, she's from not. she's from an institute. She's, oh, my bad. She's the next, she's not a Starfleet member of Starfleet. Oh, my bad, my bad. Um, I was half paying attention to the episode when I rewatched it. Um, but yeah, so it's a lot of it is about this conflict that happens um, because obviously Beverly oftentimes has this role where she is defending the rights and ethics of medical science. Um, we also watch, spoiler, we also watch I Borg for one of our characters. And yep. she actually also has a big role in that where she is the one to really fight for Hugh's rights as an individual. So she oftentimes plays this archetype where she is sticking, she's a stickler to the rules. She's a stickler for morality and for people's rights and for human rights or alien rights. Um, and this was an interesting episode because I thought that it really exemplified her character well. And again, I really like it when there is conflict and you are exploring these um, different questions about, in this case, research and science and also suicide and all you, you know, all, all those things. Um, you know, like I, I did, you know, I, I noticed that, um, you know, when we talked about this, we had a similar reaction as you because it's been a while since I watched Ethics. It is very preachy. <laughs> it's very preachy. Yeah, it um, is. There's a lot of, it's very didactic. It's literally didactic where, you know, there are a few scenes where Beverly is really like on a soapbox. Um, it's not the most subtle episode. It is definitely not subtle. No. But at the same time, I do think that it gives Beverly something to do, <laughs> you know, for, you know, uh, you know, I would say that, that um, is one of the highlights of this episode. It really allows her to kind of shine as a character um, and showcase her values. You know, it's definitely not like the best episode of the next generation, but yeah, I, I would agree. You know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good episode. I, I, I would say that, the the two the a plot and the b plot and i honestly don't know which is which in this case i mean i guess the a plot is gates mcfadden and and crusher and yeah and it's the very doctor. They're both very um parallel yeah they are so i would say that uh you know it's a um it's a real toss-up as to who's got the stronger a plot here mm -hmm. uh, because the conversation with Worf and and Riker and Picard about this ritual suicide is just it's powerful stuff as well. But mm. we're here to talk about the women of Trek and uh, you know Beverly. I, I actually went back and watched it again. The end scene where she and the visiting doctor are talking. Actually, she's ignoring the doctor almost. Yeah, she's, no. I mean, talk about a cold shoulder. Holy yeah. smokes. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, it was super awkward. And, and I don't remember it being that awkward when I watched it before, but it was definitely like, she would not even look at her, mm -hmm. acknowledge her presence, basically, um, called her out for, you know, I don't know if you could, I can't stand, you know, I couldn't stand up to the laurels you're going to get for this, 
given the cost. And uh, so still very high and mighty till the end. Oh, yeah. Even though she's like, you know, I'm happy that Worf is is fixed and will get better. But, uh, you know, the way that you do your medical sciences is not my way. And my way is the right way, essentially. And right. Um, so it is, you know, it is harsh. And even, um, even in the shuttle bays, when they're, they're treating the crew of the, the, the passengers of the Denver, and she does that, does a different therapy than is recommended. I mean, that felt, there was a lot of uncomfortable scenes with her, the two of them just debating about this. Buddy has a lot. They were. And, Mm -hmm. uh, actually I think that that's what makes this kind of a standout episode. And, and I almost think Gene was still a part of the production of this. Gene Roddenberry? Yeah. He was I, dead since like 91. That was like season three. Was it? Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm, I must have been. He's in the ground rolling around. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Um, I, you know, I'm thinking of my episode. He was still part of yesterday's Enterprise. Because uh, it did say yeah, he was still around. executive producer. Yeah. So. I mean, he died shortly before Undiscovered Country came out or something. Okay. Yeah. In 91. In 91. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, this is almost like Rick Berman kind of taking the, the, the foot off the brake and, and letting some conflict happen here mm-hmm. between the crew. Uh, and it was, which powerful. I like. And, you know, yeah, I mentioned this was. to you, even though this wasn't like the best episode or, or the most subtle. Um, and I, even though I did enjoy it, I do think that it's hard for modern day Trek to have one of these episodes. Yeah. Um, that's what we were talking yeah. about. Right. Was yeah. that we, you know, are the characters we have now are actually fleshed out considerably more and a little bit more three-dimensional. And so you can't have this, you know, black and white. That's not what I was thinking. I, no? I, no, I was thinking more along the lines of, so this entire episode is themed around the idea of ethics. Right, it's literally the title. Yeah, around and we don't have with modern day Trek when you have ten or thirteen episodes, it's all serialized. You know, you don't really have the opportunity to like dedicate entire episode to exploring a very specific theme, and it has its ups and downs. Don't get me wrong; like, there's the occasional like, you know, Neelix episode that doesn't really hold a lot of water, Um, but. You know, there's a lot of room for experimentation, which I feel that with modern day track, there's this less kind of room to kind of do that. Maybe and, we'll see some of that with Strange New Worlds. Maybe. maybe you know, with the more standalone episode type uh, things that they're going to be doing. Although what I what I'm excited about for Strange New Worlds versus the Next Generation is that you know these things are the development of the characters will be carried through episode to episode. Um, oh yeah. Versus... Warp was like up and running around by the next episode or something. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, like, we, we didn't fine. see a long-term development of uh Warf struggle to, to uh, get better. But um, yeah. anyway, so yeah, I thought this was a really outstanding uh, showcase of who Beverly is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you got to see some of it in I Borg, which is another episode that we'll talk about in a little while, but, um, yeah, I, I think any, any final thoughts you want to share on, uh, Beverly as your, as your choice and 
this episode in particular? I mean, I'm glad she didn't get stuck in the Star Wars bubble. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need I can say about. Oh, you know what? I, I one thing I did want to talk about, which is not pertinent to this episode, but in general, because you brought up the whole thing with Jack Crusher, who definitely is hot. Um, but the whole thing with Picard, the the romance that went nowhere. You know, I really I was shipping them for sure. There because there was that one episode. I remember the name of it when they were they had a neural link and they could share each other's thoughts and stuff like that. And there was definitely some of that um i think that was season six or something or maybe even season seven but it just never went anywhere and i was kind of disappointed by that because as we know classic trek is really bad at handling interpersonal relationships among the crew and romances and this is an opportunity that i just think you know it was, it was a lost opportunity um and it could have given them another layer to work with but they probably didn't want to overcomplicate things so they were like let's just keep it clean and simple and, you know, have a little bit of tension, but let's not have it go anywhere, you know? Yeah. Anything was... with Janeway and Chakotay, it was like, you know, one or two episodes here and there. Janeway's yeah. always touching him, but then she's touching everyone. So, you know, who even knows anymore? But, uh, yeah, you know, there it is. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that is definitely something that you kind of miss out on. And and there are, you know, it's a, a lot of the Jack and Diane from Cheers kind of um, tease as far as uh, a relationship developing between those two. So, yeah, it's too bad. Um, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. So, all right. Shall we move on? Yeah. So who is your top pick? You don't belong on that ship, Lieutenant. No, Captain Garrett belongs on that ship, but she's dead. And I think there's a certain logic in this request. There's no logic in this at all. Whether they succeed or not. Enterprise C will be destroyed. But Captain, at least with someone at Tactical, they will have a chance to defend themselves well. It may be a matter of seconds or minutes, but those could be the minutes that change history. Guinan says I died a senseless death in the other timeline. I didn't like the sound of that, Captain. I've always known the risks that come with a Starfleet uniform. If I'm to die in one, I'd like my death to count for something. Well, so and and this is a controversial pick when I told you and, and I was like, really? Oh, and okay. uh, yeah, so um, I pick I picked uh, Natasha Yar, uh, former chief of security of the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I picked an episode that is not what you would expect. I mean, it's oh, kind of, a, it you know what it is, but our audience doesn't, I'm teeing it up here <laughs> a little bit. Um, one, I think that I was, ex- I, I don't know, I, going back into my boyhood days when this came out in 1987, uh, or when, you know, when- Wait, I can talk about why you picked Tasha or just gonna go to the episode? Yeah, 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 that's what okay, I'm doing great. right now. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Great, great, great. You know, um, having a female security chief who is as uppity as, Tasha was uh was exciting oh she was yeah and that first like like uppity as in pretentious 
no, 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 no. Like fire, it would get fired up very easily and enthusiastic. You know, uppity uh, is like you're pretentious. You're like no, 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 upper no, no, class. No, no, no. That's uppity. No, that is not uppity to me. It is not uppity. She was just easily inflamed. And for our viewers right now, Up, Johnson uppity, self-important or arrogant. Okay, fine. That Gosh. is what Google says equity means. Great. Okay, fine. Well, enthusiastic. That's, that's Google does pronouncing not... uppity. She is my pick. Let me talk about her. Okay. In right. my way. Thank you okay, very much. Continue. So she, you're trying to say she was, she had enthusiasm? No, I don't like, a, this is not an enthusiasm piece. She was very reactionary. And for a security chief, that seemed a little bit, over the top of I don't really understand what you're trying to say. Like she was. Well, reactive. if you'd let me, if you would let me say something here and not cut go. me off every freaking time I try <laughs> to get a thought out. I'm trying to understand the ab adjective. Well, shut your mouth and listen to me talk about it. I mean, I'm listening. All right. Elaborate. So no, she was just she would always react and like kind of like shacks in lower decks. Like, let's blow up their warp core. Like, that's the sort of reaction that you know she would always get and give, you know, she got frozen in encounter at Farpoint because she got up and, and, you know, stood in front of her captain and in front of Q and was mm -hmm. mouthing off to Q and alien who she knew had extraordinary powers, but still was very, she was very uncontrolled. And, um, you know, that fire and that, that, you know, that action was, was really interesting to me. And, you know, at some point, I also but think in that, a good way or. Yeah. In a, I mean, in a different way. I mean, okay. it's a, you know, I think that that's one of the things that differentiated the next generation crew from the original series. Right. Was mm -hmm. sort of this, you know, we had some different personalities. We had some different characters. We had some different aliens. We had mm -hmm. just different energy, um, you know, and, and it all kind of settled down eventually. But, you know, one of the things that. And also, to be honest, like, you know, I probably had a crush on her a, a little bit, but also, you know, her death and skin of evil was one of the most traumatic things for me as a 14 year old kid watching <laughs> that. So uh, one, because you never had seen a main character be killed in mm -hmm. Star Trek before. So there was that. It was kind of shocking, uh, shocking, like red wedding, shocking and uh things that kind of stick with you well beyond ever watching, uh, watching the show. So uh, I, I was really shocked by her death. I mean, granted, so there are two thoughts here. One, you know, one, and I want to share this from Wikipedia and, and I have met Keith R. A. DeCandio before. Wait, and he, he's an author. He's one of the truck authors. Oh. Uh, but, you know, one of the commentaries that he said about um, when Natasha died, she, he said the loss of Yar is unfortunate. While it's true, the character as portrayed didn't live up to the character as envisioned. Yar was the most interesting person in the TNG Bible. That's also true of a lot of characters. Denise, uh, that's also true of a lot of characters, period. Denise Crosby has never been the best actor in the universe, but Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis weren't any great shakes in the first season either. And their characters didn't blow the doors off. They got better with time. And there's every reason to believe the same would have been true for Crosby had she remained. And I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, which is why I picked yesterday's Enterprise uh, 
mm-hmm. to talk about this week because I think it shows a, a little bit calmer, uh, more mature Tasha Yar, uh, one who is much more thoughtful, much more, um, I don't know, she just seemed more settled into the role as security chief. And um, so that's why I chose that episode. So those are my kind of, before I get into the episode, any other thoughts now that you've heard my take on on Tasha and, and why I chose her? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't have too many thoughts about Tasha Yar. Um, I, and thought she was I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, you I didn't come fine. You came in in the third season and she yeah, was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I and... came in the third season. I mean, I went back, obviously, and watched all the season one episodes. Um, she didn't really stand out to me as a very interesting character. But to your point, like, you know, it, in season one, a, a lot of them were kind of stiff, right? And a lot of them, I, I think there was a lot of establishing of the characters that was happening. And it was a rough season. Like we, we, you know, I don't think we necessarily hold TNG season one high esteem. So, yeah, I mean, like, I definitely think that there was potential with her that, you know, wasn't really realized. I, I'm glad we got Denise Crosby back as Sila, you know, so at least that we saw a little bit more of the actress, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, having gone back to season one, I, I, the character didn't really have too much emotional resonance for me. Um, yeah, you had, I mean, she did have sex with Data. Right. Yeah, and, and the naked, naked now. now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's <laughs> Data's first and only sexual encounter until he meets the Borg Queen like eight years later or something like that. So, you know, dry period. But yeah. I guess no. I, I, yeah. I really have very little to say about Tasha. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, she was just when this show came out, she was a standout for me and just someone who it was interesting, interesting and sad to lose her. And I agree, you know, that had she stayed, I think she would have developed uh, over time, just like the other characters did. And I also, but I also think the trade-off that we got or that we wouldn't have gotten is mm-hmm. the development of Worf. Um, who took over as security chief after she died. So, um, and obviously created this whole, you know, they created multiple arcs for Worf throughout his tenure and in, in Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's to Worf's benefit and Michael Dorn's benefit. But, uh, you know, I, I did enjoy the character. And, and we also know, get her back in all good things. Right. Yeah, we do. We get to see some of our more interpersonal conversations with Picard as they're going to approach, you know, leaving to go to the Enterprise D. Um, so, you know, it, I'm, I was sad to see Yara killed. Um, and at least this time, I think that in, Enter- in yesterday's Enterprise, which I, I really I enjoy that episode. Oh, no, uh, it's a great I, episode. You know, it's just fantastic. It's, it's one of those, uh, you know, alternative universe, great episodes that you you kind of want to go back and revisit what happened before that event and, and kind of see, you know, they could do a whole whole season on what that world would have been like before that um, had the Enterprise C gone through there and stayed on that side of the, the wormhole. So 
Um, but, you know, yesterday's enterprise actually showcases, you know, not only Tasha, but also uh, my other character, who's my supporting character for later on, and they have some interactions. So it's going to be hard to kind of um, differentiate between the two. But, you know, we see a lot of great scenes between Tasha and Guinan. And, um, and yeah. uh, he, she also got a love interest, Richard Castillo, who's also kind of hot. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Um, a very quick uh, military. Very life. quick. Um, oh, we're in, are we in love? Kind of maybe. Interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, war brings about uh, you know quick relationships like that. But um, you know, so we get to see her kind of make a mature decision about her fate, and it's interesting to watch. You know, as they're as they're kind of as Picard kind of says, we're sending the Enterprise C back. Uh, Guinan has told me that that's what needs to happen in order to change this timeline. And then uh, Crusher and Jordy are walking out. I wonder if any one of us is alive. That brings Tasha to mind when she interacts with Guinan, where she had interacted before and gotten this weird vibe and mm-hmm. with Guinan, which was actually really awkward uh, looking at that scene and seeing like, there's something wrong here. These two have never met before. And yet Gynan yeah, knows it her was, name. It was awkward. Gynan knows her name. And uh, she's like looking at her. Yeah. Kind of staring her down. Like who, what the hell are you doing here? But, um, you know, I think that it's really, um, really cool that in this case, Tasha gets to choose her fate. And she does it with as much information as Picard has given, you know, that he's sending the Enterprise C back just on on Guinan's intuition. And so she's making a decision also based on Guinan's intuition, but also on the fact that she's a great tactical officer and will give the Enterprise C, you know, the benefit of uh, of experience, of a war warrior's experience, essentially. So, I mean, I really, I, it was great to see her come back. It was great when, you know, the, the scene switches and you turn, you, the scene begins with Worf saying something's coming through, Picard looks, the scene switches as mm-hmm. the Enterprise C comes through and it, and he turns around and there's Tasha Yar and mm-hmm. like, that was, you know, and back then you didn't know, you know, these were more of a surprise than what you would get nowadays uh, on TV. So it was great to see her come back. And, uh, and also the, you know, I think where it kind of went off the rails a little bit is I do like Sila as a, as a character. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's even poss- the possibility that she could come up in Picard given. That'd be cool. She, you know? but yeah. I, I was hoping um, that she would appear in season one, but she didn't. Yeah. Um, but also uh, where was I going with that? Off the rails, you said. Off the rails with um, the story that at least Sila tells Picard about mm-hmm. her weak mother and running away from their father, which it sounds like, I don't know if there was a real, you know, going from Castillo to some Romulan captor that's, you know, sounds very, uh, what's what's the syndrome when you start? Uh, oh, I don't, I, it's it's something syndrome. Yeah, there's some syndrome when you. But it sounds, I mean, it's also possible that she was kind of forced into it you know yeah absolutely yeah so but she she still meets a tragic demise 
supposedly know, yeah we never you know we never we only hear it from sila's point of view but anyway so yeah i i just think I, you know it's a it's a character that i've always been fascinated with you know the fourth book in the next gen paperback series was about tasha's life on her uh, planet growing up uh, we do get to meet her sister later on we do um, and learn a little bit more about her her what happened um with that so i think it's you know for me it's it's just one of those characters that has always stuck with me you know troy's always been there crusher except for one season's always been there but oh. to have this you know life lived and died on tv in 1987 88 um and to watch you know a character you really like be almost meaninglessly uh it it's stuck with me and she tasha yar will always be one of my favorite uh leading women of trek mm. so there we go cool all right well let's go to supporting <laughs> supporting actresses supporting actresses uh yeah supporting women roles in trek and johnson who is your supporting commander you and i need to have a conversation you never ordered me not to discuss this with the captain. You disagree with me, fine. You need to take it to the captain, fine, through me. You do an end run around me again. I'll snap you back so hard you'll think you're a first year cadet again. May I speak frankly, sir? By all means. You're in my way. Really? How terrible for you. All you know how to do is play it safe. I suppose that's why someone like you sits in the shadow of a great man for as long as you have, passing up one command after another. Proceed to decade. When it comes to this ship and this crew, you're damned right I play it safe. If you can't make the big decisions, Commander, I suggest you make room for someone who can. Yeah, so, you know, I kind of thought about this one, and um, I, I have problems picking one, because... The problem with the next generation is that there aren't too many recurring characters. Your secondary pick, um, I would say, is one of the very few because unlike DS9, this was a this was a time when obviously we didn't have that many good recurring secondary characters that we could work with. So I was like thinking about it. I was like, who should I pick? I was like. I was like, there's Guinan, who's your pick, spoilers. Um, I was like, there's Kaler, <laughs> Vosh. I was like, who am I going to pick? Um, I did not pick Vosh. Um, I don't even know. Like, you know, so I, I ended up picking Commander Shelby, who, by the way, I was like, what is her first name? She didn't have a first name. I like looked up a memory alpha. I was like, I don't know why. I was like, why do I remember her first name? She doesn't have one. She's always just referred to as Commander Shelby. So there we are. Um, so yeah, you know, I picked Commander Shelby because this, if we're going with the theme of conflict and, you know, th again, this is one of the things I like most when we see people just disagree. Um, Commander Shelby was brought on to the best of both worlds to really be a foil for Riker. 
she was a she was a great character, you know, like just in herself. Um, but you know, I was thinking about this, and I think that unfortunately, these a lot of these secondary characters serve a purpose versus you know they're there as a character character. Um, and Commander Shelby is a, a great example where, you know, where, whereas obviously for Best of Both Worlds, the experience is about Picard's experience and obviously the crew's experience, but the emotional center of both episodes, parts one and two, is about Will Riker. And he, it's about kind of his journey. Um, and Shelby is there more to serve him, to serve Riker as a character versus really being a, char- a fully fleshed out character in, like, in herself. That being said, she's still a great character. Um, I know we talked a little bit about how she is different in Best of Both Worlds Part 2 versus Part 1. Um, I, you know, I definitely noticed a change in her character um, and I'm sure you have opinions about this. I definitely thought her character, I noticed a change in her character between parts one and parts two, part one and part two. Um, and I attributed that as, you know, Riker, where as in part one, he's first officer, she's vying for this position. She's trying to impress Picard. You know, she's a hothead. Um, and then episode two, she like, there's a, there's a change in roles because Riker becomes acting captain. She can't just do what she was doing with Riker in episode one. Um, And she had to scale back on how aggressive she was being. I know you have different thoughts about that. Did you kind of? Not really. I mean, I mean, she does scale back uh, mainly because, yeah, I think I agree with you that she scaled back because she's essentially the first officer of the enterprise, which is what she wanted Mm-hmm. To begin with, she wanted to work with Picard, though, and not Riker. Right. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, she calms down a little bit. She's less of a foil and more of, like, mm-hmm. fulfilling the role that she wanted. Um, I mean, she definitely had much more of a presence in part one. Um, I think that's why part one is, like, held, like... In, on such a pedestal versus part two, where I think most people thought part two was fine. You know, most people think that part two like wrapped it up, but most, I would say probably the majority of Trek fans probably think that part two didn't quite live up to part one, but that's hard. Cause part one is all about kind of raising the stakes. You had Commander Shelby, this, this really strong female character, butt heads with Will Riker, who's an established character, and we haven't gotten that kind of friction between Will and a character in a long time. I don't remember, like, who else, you know, to be honest, off the time I had, um, at least pre-season three, like, you know, pre-season three finale. Um, you had the Borg, right? You had, obviously, a big threat. Um, you had Will not really being sure of what he wanted to do with his future. Did he want to stay on the Enterprise? Does he want to leave? All in the midst of, um, you know, this Borg invasion happening. And then you had Captain Picard getting captured. And then you had, like, and then by the end, Will is forced to make a life or death decision about, you know, potentially killing Picard. So you had, it was this constant escalation. 
And Shawi played a huge role in that escalation, which is why I think her character was received so well in part one. Part two was all about de-escalation. It was all about like resolution because again, TNG, you know, by the time this episode's over, we need to we need to go back to status quo for the most part. I mean, there's a little bit of resolution that happens in family, but for the most part, it's like everything's back to normal, you know? So I think there is a de-escalation that happens with the characters and the friction and Shelby just, she's had served her purpose in episode one. Um, and because by the end of part two, we know that she needs to go. So, you know, I, I think that she is very memorable, even though I think she, in my mind, she performed more of a service than like, you know, she was a really like flesh out character. Um, but yeah, that's, that, those are my, uh, those are my thoughts about okay. Commander Shelby. Commander yeah. blank first name, last name Shelby. Well, so she does get her first name in the books and, okay. uh, you know, she's a big part of uh, the New Frontier series of books. Uh, so her first name is Elizabeth, but is that canon? Though so that's a thing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she's definitely an interesting character, and probably one of the more uh, she brings a lot of conflict to the table. There she we go. Instigating. Yes, she's an instigator. she is. She is an instigator. So yeah, um, I don't really have a ton of ton of other thoughts than other what you shared, but uh, she does her job and. Uh, she, she performs a service. She performs a service. Um, yeah. So there we go. Well, cool. How about we move on to my final pick for yeah. leading uh, supporting actress, which is uh, Guinan, played by the wonderful uh, Whoopi Goldberg. I need to hear you say that you are sure you're doing the right thing. You're here to persuade me not to use the invasive program. No, I think I need you to persuade me. Two days ago, you were so upset about the Borg even being on the ship that you tore my foil out of my hand. And now you're here questioning whether it should be treated as the enemy. No, but when you talk to him face to face, can you honestly say you don't have any doubt? I haven't talked to it. Why not? I saw no need. If you're going to use this person... It's not a person, damn it, it's a Borg! If you are going to use this person to destroy his race, you should at least look him in the eye once before you do it. Because I am not sure he is still a Borg. Because it's been given a name by a member of my crew doesn't mean it's not a Borg. Because it's young doesn't mean that it's innocent. It is what it is in spite of efforts to turn it into some kind of pet, I will not alter my plans. Fine. But if you don't talk to him at least once, you may find that decision a lot harder to live with than you realize. Yeah. And uh, the episode- Great secondary I, character pick. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny. I was thinking about this as you were talking, like, your supporting character and my primary character were kind of like short-lived people in this universe. Whereas our, your primary character and my secondary character actually had a bigger, bigger arc, bigger mm -hmm. arcs. Um, and Guinan is definitely one of them. And, and I chose, we already know, we already chose, I chose I Borg because 
this show shows a couple of things. It shows her relationship with Ricard, but it shows her facing for the first time her her nemesis, the the a a physical form in front of her of the person the people the beings responsible for the dispersal and death of her people so um i think that that's uh that's why i chose this and and you know if you if we jump right into the episode first of all guinan is great because you know she's in yesterday's enterprise she comes on board i think in season two right yep. mm-hmm. um she is picking up steam in season three so she's a part of a big part of yesterday's enterprise both also with picard and with tasha so huge huge uh, involvement best of both there. worlds best of both sure. worlds yep she you know the the scene where she she has the captain's ear the new captain's ear and says i'm used to it and she's sitting mm-hmm. in picard's chair as Riker comes in yeah um you know and basically coaches him into realizing that he needs to throw away the playbook and create his own, mm-hmm. um, which is actually probably the, the advice that kind of tips everything towards the resolution, right? You know, rather than playing the game that, you know, playing it like Picard would play it, he has to play it like Riker and um, Riker would. So that's all through prompting of Guinan. And uh, so, you know, she, was she in ethics? She was not in ethics, right? No, 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 it wasn't in ethics, but a few few episodes later. So we're all the way in season five, and here she is in I Borg, um, playing some really pivotal scenes with Picard, and mm-hmm. um, and this is before Times Arrow, so we don't really get to see, <laughs> uh, you know, this the season five finale introduces us to Guinan in the in the past, uh, which is. Guinan's first meeting of Picard, but not Picard's first meeting of Guinan. So right. it's interesting. Um, with Samuel Clemens. With Samuel Clemens. But, oh. you know, Iborg is is really an outstanding episode. And obviously it plays right mm-hmm. into Picard, Star Trek Picard, which is great. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Del Arco. Uh, poor, poor. I still think he, he got too. shafted in Picard. Yeah, but, I do yeah. too. Uh, it's so sad that he's... Uh, He's no longer with us in in Hugh form anyway. Maybe they'll. But give it's him- just like, I know that's going back to episode one of our podcast. It's just like there was. I wish I knew what happened between Descent Part Two and Picard Season One. Yeah. I want to know everything that happened to him, you know. And I just wish we got that. Yeah, and well, you know, just as a quick side note, I I still want to throw this theory out. I still feel like maybe Lore ha- is out there and has something to do with the whole Romulan thing. So, you know, sure. maybe, I, I mean, um, yeah, who knows? Um, but anyway, getting back to Guinan, you know, she, she plays a pivotal role in Iborg by first, you know, making Picard wary of the Borg's presence on here so much so that she tricks him, fakes an injury during their fencing match, mm-hmm. just to show Picard that, Oh, I'm helpless, but yet I'm still going to stab you. Right. And uh, so she makes her point, you know, she's what I really love about this. She's very illustrative. She is very illustrative, but she also does not back down from Picard ever. Mm -mm. She is so opinionated. She when she comes to his quarters and she says, you know, this person and Picard stands up and yells at her. It is not a person. It is a Borg. Mm. She continues like she he didn't flinch, even do. Yeah. She doesn't flinch. He she just says, 
this person and almost in his face, you know, like uh, it's just an amazing dynamic between the two of them. And uh, I'm so excited that she agreed to be on season two of Star Trek Picard. So yeah, I, can't I, hope, wait. I hope they give her something to do. I hope so too. Um, so yeah. I, you know, I hope it'll be a worthwhile reunion to have her on that show um, in season two. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just that. And also, you know, she and Jordy are friends. So maybe, maybe there's going to be a Jordy Guinan Picard reunion in season two. Who knows? Maybe. Um, so, uh, we'll hopefully see that, but you know, her conversation, she, her conversation with Jordy in the, in the intent forward is also one of those ones where she's being so stubborn and like, Jordy has for good reason absolutely for yeah absolutely she will destroy her home yeah absolutely no absolutely no I'm not being unsympathetic to her but um it's funny because it takes Jordy being so um like kind of annoyed with her and says well maybe you should just listen because that's your job isn't it Mm. and um you know she doesn't even flinch to that so I'm really wondering if anyone can make Guinan flinch Besides maybe uh, what's his name from from generations, but Soren, uh, Soren, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, just I, also I love that she's the more intuitive one, but like you said, illustrative um, <laughs> is just uh, just the way that she deals with everything. Um, so, and now I'm thinking about her and, and Riker in the ready room during best of both worlds too. So, I mean, we've, we've had three of our four episodes involved, uh, involved her. Yeah. Well, she was uh, around. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, I bored just that scene, even with, you know, you're not so big, you're not so scary as she faces him down in the, in the um, security in the brig. Uh, it's just, you know, it's also incredible to see the growth. Like she does learn and she does change her take and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and she has no right to, you know, she doesn't have to, she can still be mad at the Borg. And yet she convinces Picard to really meet this person and make sure that he's making the right decisions. So she's still advising him despite her anger and despite her confusion about, well, is this still, is Hugh still really a Borg? Um, so just a lot of great, I mean, four great scenes in that episode. And, you know, I've just, I'm just a huge fan of Whoopi Goldberg as well, but. Oh yeah. You know, uh, so, you know, she's definitely, uh, someone who speaks up for, for LGBTQ rights and, um, she, she also has opinions. She had, yes, she is very opinionated. Yes. She is. Uh, maybe I've some... actually never watched her on like The View or something. Oh, I have. Uh, oh, have yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, Does she yeah, have yeah. opinions? She has opinions. She has thoughts. She has notes. She has notes times 10. Many notes. Yes. <laughs> she does not back down. Um, it's it's actually when she gets fired up, it's uh, it's quite uh, quite good. Um, yeah. No, she's great. I mean, yeah. Guy so... Guinan's always interesting. I mean, she obviously has this like um very you know air of mystery. She's yes. like what eight hundred years old or something like that. Like yep. she she's gone through a lot. We don't know a lot of that information. We don't know she a lot about this, her race. She know she has this relationship with Q. Like Q is a little bit 
like afraid of her like yeah. something like you know he's yeah. like so, something about her even bothers him yep but we don't we never really get into what that is like there's like a lot of like yeah they set up a lot but there's a lot of unanswered questions about her there is and and it's okay because you know she does her she does what she's meant to do which is to spark um spark a change bring you know she she's the advisor to the captain when you know diana diana is maybe like the soft feelings person and Mm -hmm. and guinan is more like no you're being an idiot here like think about this you know Mm -hmm. or you know she's she's got opinions and she's sticking to them yeah all the time um and she has and she doesn't care she does not care Yes, she has big hats. She does not care what people think of her opinions. Which she has this also... one, like, I remember it was like an orange outfit. It was a lot of look. I liked it, actually. But it was like all orange. It was like amber, orange, like burnt orange. It was great. <laughs> I mean, we saw. I, I don't think we saw it in these three episodes that we watched, but we saw quite a few different outfits for Guinan yeah. in these three episodes. So quite colorful. Yes, color um but yeah so that's uh that's my leading or supporting actress actor pick for women in track month uh Guinan. and here's yeah. hoping we see her in, a lot in picard season two um i have as i was talking about shelby and that's kind of going through the list of like supporting female characters um there there another so i have a um this is very impromptu. Oh, boy. I have like a um, a last minute nominee, but um, do you remember Nella Darren? No, the name. No, the name does not even ring a bell. Okay, do you remember the episode lessons? She's like a stellar cartographer or something. Like she's in stellar cartography, and she's Picard's love interest. Oh yes, I didn't remember her name. Of course, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, but. I really liked her as a character. Like, you know, obviously it's been a while since we've either seen the episode, but I, I really liked that particular episode because it gave Picard a love interest, um, which is rare. <laughs> he doesn't it wasn't many, part of the command crew, essentially. He doesn't get that many love interests. Um, you know, Bash. Uh, Famke Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? Kamala. Kamala, the... the um, Cameloid or whatever, not Cameloid. Oh yeah, yeah. Six. Oh my god, I'm getting all my aliens confused. You, are. you remember Famka, Jean Grey? Uh, of course, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of what character she played in Star she Trek. She was though. like, uh, oh, she was like a empath, like, like um, sex slave. Oh, oh. Hmm. okay. No, I don't remember that. No, doesn't she, ring about. She imprints on like men. But let's go back to your impromptu nominee. Yeah, so. no, I really liked. Um, Commander Darren, because she was a great foil to Picard, but she felt much more fleshed out. Like she had her own passions. She was very, you know, she was passionate about music. Um, you she know, was we, mature. Was, she was she was layered. She was mature. Yeah, she. she was... I felt that she was more fleshed out as a character than Commander Shelby because it seemed like she had her own like life. Um, and uh, you know, we always get these. Uh, 10 forward concerts, like, you know, talent shows and things like that. And she like performed on piano and Picard connected with her through his love of music. And it went back to his 
experience on the inner light because he plays like the flutes uh, flute solo and she's like that's beautiful and then she accompanies him and they have like all these great scenes and unfortunately it didn't go anywhere because obviously she can, she can only stay for one episode but it obviously um opened up all these things about can picard have a relationship with a crew member you know like it was awkward sometimes and then they had to like basically she had to basically like you know get off the ship because they were like this can't work but i really liked her too um yeah that's yeah. it that's a good pick again and another... she was very like um she had this air like you're i think what you're saying like this air maturity um very just very confident as a character which i really liked so yeah uh, it's interesting because you're uh you're your pick is more of a guest star um, choice than for both of these. They're both guest stars. Yeah, well, that's a versus, problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Versus a supporting character, but yeah. we didn't have a ton of ton we of next generation uh, women supporting characters. Mm-hmm. So, um, or you, many. I mean, who who's even ongoing? Like Q. Who else? Um, like ongoing. Yeah, I mean, Sila, a, I guess. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, that's another guest starring role. Um, Martok, yeah, I'm, here and there. Martok, a little not bit, not Martok. Yeah. Um, Gowron, I'm sorry, I'm complaining. Yeah. My coming Gowron. Um, but when, when you were talking about Picard's love interest, uh, that reminded me of Insurrection and Aunt Anish. Oh, god, who was I don't his how to say her name. Yeah, um, I have to look it up while you were talking. Um, she actually comes up in the book that I just finished oh. uh, last week, uh, The Dark Veil, uh, oh. which is a uh, which is primarily a Riker Troy, right, Picard novel. But uh, how did does, she come up? Uh, because uh, Riker does reach out to Picard for some advice oh. during the during the uh, book, and uh, they catch up about family and stuff. And he Picard mentions that he got a letter from him from Anish and uh, was. Uh, invited to go join them she had heard what had happened when he left starfleet and oh so um yeah there was that that, yeah there was that little tidbit in in the the wow it was kind of interesting to hear yeah so there we go before we wrap up i think we should give a quick shout out to our sponsor fan sets yeah it's fan sets (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of your line in every I know. <laughs> uh, but you know fan sets is great and because of who we talked about this week i wanted to give a shout out to um you know they of the of the char- four characters five if you include your impromptu one uh so far fan sets only has pins for crusher and yar uh they do wait have- they don't have one for gynan no, I know. I was surprised. How is that possible? I mean, I searched. I typed in Guinan, and I didn't. Um, That's crazy. Uh, didn't find anything, but um, maybe they need like approval from Whoopi Goldberg or something. Maybe, yeah. So, mm-hmm. but they, mm-hmm. so they do have a, a micro crew uh, pin for T- Tasha Yar, a micro mm-hmm. crew pin for Beverly Crusher, but they also have a woman of Tre- the Women of Trek series one Beverly Crusher. So she she got. Um, series one honors uh, from them. Does she so, have her like coat? 
She does not have her coat in this. A pregnancy no. coat. No, no, she does not have her pregnancy coat. Oh, okay. Um, in this one, but it is a nice pin. And if you have any of the others, like I have the Uhura and Jedzia Dax ones, um, this would be another great one to get from season one. So, and there are also a ton more pins. Um, I'm trying to remember the things that are coming out March first from fan sets, and I can't, but um. There are always new pins. They come out the 1st and the 15th of every month. And um, so you should check them out. And if you use the code DSPRIDE. All caps. All caps. You will get 10% off your order. Don't try it lower because it might not work. It might not work. Well, if it doesn't work, try all caps. And if it doesn't, there we go. If if the all caps doesn't work, that's a bigger problem. (laughs) No, it does. I'm fairly certain. I I have used it. uh, Oh, you've used it. Oh, right. You mentioned you used it last time. Yes. Yeah, but if uh, listeners, if it doesn't work for you, that's a bigger ratio. Um. By the way, where 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 is Boimler uh positioned in your house? He's like, he's like in the coffee table. Why is he in the coffee table? Why isn't he up next to? I noticed while we were recording that I could not see him up next to the Picard Delta on this. Because there's no room. (laughs) <laughs> i am coming over and redecorating <laughs> there's no room i don't know what there's, plenty tell you. Of, there's plenty of room on that shelf next to that picard delta he's very small and would not take up a lot of room he is tiny but so there you go there's no I room at the inn i expect to see it up there the next time we record all right, all right. anyway so thanks to fans that's for supporting our podcast and all yes, the podcasts up. of the Truck Geeks Podcast Network. Yes, by pins. And so to wrap it up, uh, by all the pins. There we go. Are you are you good? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> you you know what next next episode is right? What? Oh, our twenty fifth. Our twenty fifth. I was like twenty fifth anniversary. Twenty fifth <laughs> episode. It is our twenty fifth episode. We've done twenty five episodes, or we will have done twenty five episodes. Yeah, this could so, um, that is a pretty. I How many more before we die, or before we, we, we kill each other? Yeah, I think that's more likely. Before How many we die. More? How many? Wait, how many episodes are Bill? Do Bill and Dan have in the can? It's like one I mean, they've three. been doing. Uh, no, they're further up than that. They're, they're in like the two hundreds. Yeah, that's a lot of episodes. Uh, that is a lot of episodes. They've been doing this for six years, and we've been uh, we've been doing this for about a year, but we've right. only been live on the network for mm-hmm. um, twenty four episodes. Yeah, we have so, like, we have like a ten like lost episodes. Yeah, well, I mean, we have we have we we practiced, and uh, we have some old episodes that maybe we'll go through someday and see if they're worthy of sharing, but. Mm. For now, um, so I don't know what we're going to do next week for our 25th episode. We had planned to continue Women of Trek. Uh, uh-huh. uh, oh, you want to do episode. something different than what we discussed? I mean, maybe we should do something special for the 25th episode. Like what? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to talk about that offline and, and surprise our viewers next week with something uh, I, I have exciting. Nothing. So I have no thoughts. I well, have nothing to offer you. Well, we'll see next week. We'll see what we have next week. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it there if not you're gonna get a great episode about ds9 women of trek uh but uh 25 is a big deal so 25 is a big deal i just don't know what we're gonna do well you know so maybe some miracles will happen why do you have something in mind i do have something in mind you I'm do gonna, All right, i we do can take this offline yeah <laughs>
so okay. uh, we'll see if it, we I don't know that we can make it happen, but we'll see what happens. Did, did you secure Wilson Cruz? Is he coming? <laughs> <laughs> As you clutch your pearls. <laughs> I, I don't know. Not, I did not secure Wilson Cruz. Uh, no. Okay. No, then okay. It's, it, it can only be a disappointment then. Oh, well, I, you know, <laughs> that is true. I mean, um, but we'll see. Uh, but we hope you'll be back here next week. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody, listening us to drone on about the women of Trek and our picks. So, oh, finally, what do they do if they want to share who? Oh, yeah. They're leading. Yeah, we almost did. All right. Uh, Well, if you guys want to reach out, you can email us at deepspacepride at gmail.com. Let us know if our fansets promo code is not working and we'll try to address that as soon as possible uh and you can also reach us on twitter and instagram at deep space pride all right that's it that's all i got that's episode 24 everybody and we'll see you again next week have a great week bye Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.